Chapter 23 of The Star Chamber, An Historical Romance, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Star Chamber, Volume 1, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 23, The Tress of Hair. How to extricate himself from the dilemma in which he was placed, Lord Roos scarcely knew. But he had a good deal of self-possession, and it did not desert him on the present trying occasion. After such consideration as circumstances permitted, he could discern only one chance of escape, and though well-nigh hopeless, he resolved to adopt it. If consummate audacity could carry him through, and it was required in the present emergency, he had no lack of it. Hitherto not a word had passed between him and the intruders on his privacy. Lady Lake seemed to enjoy his confusion too much to do anything to relieve it, and his wife was obliged to regulate her movements by those of her mother. Without breaking the silence, which by this time had become painfully oppressive, he proceeded to deposit the still inanimate person of the Countess of Exeter upon a couch, and casting a handkerchief as if undesignedly over her face, he marched quickly up to the spot where Diego was standing, and said to him in a deep, determined tone, but so low as to not be overheard by the others. You have betrayed me, villain, and unless you obey me unhesitatingly and corroborate all my assertions, however startling they may appear, you shall pay for your treachery with your life. This done, he turned towards the two ladies, and with more calmness than might have been expected, addressed himself to Lady Lake. You imagine you have made an important discovery, madam, he said a discovery which will place me and a noble lady whose reputation you and your daughter seek to injure in great perplexity. And you conclude that, being completely, as you fancy, in your power, I shall consent to any terms you and Lady Roos may propose, rather than suffer you to go forth from this chamber and reveal what you have seen in it. Is it not so, madam? Aye, my lord, Lady Lake replied bitterly. You have stated the matter correctly enough, except in one particular— we do not imagine we have made a discovery, because we are quite sure of it. We do not fancy you will agree to our terms, because we are certain you will only too gladly screen yourself and the partner of your guilt from exposure and disgrace at any sacrifice. And allow me to observe that the tone adopted by your lordship is neither befitting the circumstances in which you are placed, nor the presence in which you stand. Some sense of shame must at least be left you, some show of respect, if nothing more, ought to be observed towards your injured wife. Were I acting alone in this matter, I would show you and my lady of Exeter no consideration whatever. But I cannot resist the pleadings of my daughter, and for her sake, and hers alone, I am content to suspend the blow, unless forced to strike. In which case, nothing shall stay my hands. I thank your ladyship for your clemency, said Lord Roos with mock humility. "'Oh, my dear lord, do not for ever close the door between us,' cried Lady Roos. "'Return to me, and all shall be forgiven.' "'Peace, Elizabeth,' exclaimed Lady Lake, impatiently. "'Know you not, from sad experience, that your husband is inaccessible to all gentle entreaty? His heart is steeled to pity. Solicit not that which is your right, and which must be conceded, whether he like or not. Let him bend the knee to you. Let him promise amendment, and implore pardon.' and it will then be for you to consider whether you will extend forgiveness to him. Lady Roos looked as if she would fain interrupt her mother, but she was too much under her subjection to offer a remark. "'It is time to undeceive you, madam,' said Lord Roos, 
wholly unmoved by what was said. I am not in the strait you suppose, and have not the slightest intention of soliciting Lady Roos's pardon, or making any promise to her. Oh, mother, you see that even you fail to move him, said Lady Roos tearfully. What is to happen to me? You will make me chide you, daughter, if you exhibit this weakness, cried Lady Lake angrily. Let me deal with him. In spite of your affected confidence, my lord, you cannot be blind to the position in which you stand, and though you yourself personally may be careless of the consequences of a refusal of our demands, you cannot, I conceive, be equally indifferent to the fate of the Countess of Exeter, which that refusal will decide. I am so little indifferent to the safety of the Countess, madam, that I cannot sufficiently rejoice that she is out of the reach of your malice. How, my lord, exclaimed Lady Lake, astounded at his assurance, out of reach when she is here. You cannot mean, she added with an undefinable expression of satisfaction, that she is dead? Dead, ejaculated Lady Roos. The Countess dead. I thought she was only in a swoon. What riddle is it you would have us read, my lord? demanded Lady Lake. No riddle whatever, madam, replied Lord Roos. I only mean to assert that the person you behold upon that couch is not the Countess of Exeter. Not the Countess, exclaimed Lady Roos. Oh, if this were possible! But no, no, I cannot be deceived. I now see the reason why her face has been covered with a kerchief, cried Lady Lake, but it shall not save her from our scrutiny. So saying, she advanced towards the couch, with the intention of removing the covering, when Lord Roos barred her approach. Not a step nearer, madam, he cried, in a peremptory tone. I will not allow you to gratify your curiosity further. You and Lady Roos may make the most of what you have seen, and proclaim abroad any tale your imaginations may devise forth. You will only render yourselves ridiculous, and encounter derision in lieu of sympathy. No one will credit your assertions, because I shall be able to prove that, at this moment, Lady Exeter is in a different part of the palace. This bold falsehood will not serve your turn, my lord. Whoever she may be, the person on that couch shall be seized, and we shall then ascertain the truth." and she would have moved towards the door if Lord Roos had not caught hold of her arm, while at the same time he drew his sword. Thinking from his fierce looks and menacing gestures that her mother might be sacrificed to his fury, Lady Roos fell on her knees before him, imploring pity. And she continued in this supplicating posture till Lady Lake angrily bade her rise. "'You have come here without my permission, madam,' Lord Roos cried furiously to his mother-in-law, "'and you shall not depart until I choose.' Secure the door, Diego, and bring me the key. It is well, he continued, as the injunction was obeyed. Lady Lake submitted without resistance to the constraint imposed upon her. She could not well do otherwise, for though her screams would have brought aid, it might have arrived too late. And, after all, she did not intend to settle matters in this way. But she betrayed no symptoms of fear, and, as we have stated, ordered her daughter to discontinue her supplications. "'And now, madam,' said Lord Roos, releasing Lady Lake, as he took the key from Diego. "'I will tell you who that person is,' pointing to the couch. "'Add not to the number of falsehoods you have already told, my lord,' rejoined Lady Lake contemptuously. "'I am perfectly aware who she is.' "'But I would fain hear his explanation, mother,' said Lady Roos. "'What explanation can be offered?' cried Lady Lake. "'Do you doubt the evidence of your senses?' "'I know not what I doubt, or what I believe,' exclaimed Lady Roos distractedly. "'Then believe what I tell you, Bess,' said her husband. "'This is the Countess's handmaiden, Gillian Greenford.' 
"'An impudent lie!' cried Lady Lake. "'A truth, my lady,' interposed Diego. "'A truth to which I am ready to swear.' "'No doubt of it, thou false knave, and double traitor. "'Thou art worthy of thy lord. "'There is no lie, however absurd and improbable, "'which he can invent that thou wilt not support. "'Thou art ready now to perjure thyself for him, "'but let him place little reliance on thee, "'for thou wilt do the same thing for us to-morrow.' "'I scarcely think it probable, my lady,' Diego replied, bowing. Lady Lake turned from him in supreme disgust. "'Admitting for a moment the possibility of your lordship's assertion being correct,' said Lady Roos, "'how comes Gillian Greenford, for so methinks you name her, in her mistress's attire?' "'Tis easily explained, Chuck,' Lord Roos rejoined. "'Anxious, no doubt, to set herself off to advantage, she hath made free with the Countess's wardrobe, your own favorite attendant, Sarah Swarton, hath often arranged herself in your finest fartingales, curtlets, and busk points, as Diego will tell you. Is it not so, rascal? "'Tis precisely as my lord hath stated, my lady,' said the Spaniard to Lady Roos. "'When Sarah Swarton hath been so habited, I have more than once mistaken her for your ladyship.' "'Yet Sarah is very unlike me,' said Lady Roos. "'That only shows how deceptive appearances are, Chuck,' and how little we ought to trust them, observed Lord Roos. How can you suffer yourself to be thus duped, Elizabeth? said Lady Lake. Because her ladyship would rather believe me than you, madam, rejoined Lord Roos. But she is not duped. Heaven forgive him, exclaimed Diego aside. And supposing it were Gillian, how would the case be mended as far as you are concerned, Elizabeth? said Lady Lake. Are you not as much injured by one as by the other? It may be, replied her daughter, but I am jealous only of the countess. I would kneel to any other woman and thank her who would tear my husband from her embraces. Weak fool, I disown you, exclaimed Lady Lake angrily. What a wife, cried Diego apart. His lordship is quite unworthy of her. Now I should appreciate such devotion. At this juncture there was a slight movement on the part of Lady Exeter, and something like a sigh escaped her. She revives, whispered Lady Lake to her daughter. We shall soon learn the truth. I will find a means to make her speak. Well, my lord, she added aloud, and speaking in a sarcastic tone, if you will have it so, it is idle to dispute it. But what will the countess say when she discovers your infidelity? On this, a brisker movement took place on the couch, and a hand was raised as if to snatch away the kerchief. We have her, whispered Lady Lake triumphantly to her daughter. Surely, she proceeded aloud, the countess will deeply resent the transfer of your affections to her handmaiden. Lord Roos saw the peril in which he stood. A moment more and Lady Lake had gained her point, and the countess betrayed herself. Lady Exeter will place little reliance on any representations you may make, madam, he said, giving particular significance to his words, except so far as they concern herself, and then she will take care to refute them. As to the circumstance of Gillian Greenford visiting me, fainting in my arms, from excess of timidity, poor girl, and being discovered by you and Lady Roos in that position, the Countess will laugh at it when it comes to her knowledge. As why should she do otherwise? But she will feel very differently when she finds that you and your daughter insist that it was she herself and not her handmaiden whom you beheld. Rely on it, madam. Lady Exeter will contradict that assertion and disprove it. Let it be disproved now. Let the person on that couch disclose her features, and we shall then see whether she be the Countess or Gillian. Aye, let her do that, my lord. Let her speak to us, urged Lady Roos. 
Diablo, how is this request to be complied with, I marvel, said Diego apart. But Lord Roos was too experienced a player to be defeated by this turn in the game. Gillian has already been sufficiently annoyed, he cried, and shall not submit to this ordeal. Besides, she has relapsed into insensibility, as you see. She does what your lordship wills her, it is clear, said Lady Lake contemptuously. We know what construction to put upon your refusal. I care not what construction you put upon it, cried Lord Roos, losing patience. You and Lady Roos may think what you please, and act as you please. Enough for me, you can prove nothing. Why, this is more like yourself, my lord, retorted Lady Lake derisively. Having thrown aside the mask, you will be spared the necessity of further subterfuge. The Countess, doubtless, will imitate your example. Lay aside her feigned insensibility and defy us. She need be under no apprehension, since she has your own warrant that we can prove nothing. Your purpose, I perceive, is to irritate me, madam, cried Lord Roos fiercely, and so far you are likely to succeed, though you fail in all else. I have no mask to throw off, but if you will have me declare myself your enemy, I am ready to do so. Henceforth, let there be no terms kept between us. Let it be open warfare. Be it so, my lord, and you will soon find who will be worsted in the struggle. Oh, do not proceed to these fearful extremities, dear mother and dearest husband, cried Lady Roos, turning from one to the other imploringly. Cease these provocations, I pray of you. Be friends and not enemies. As you please, peace or war, it is the same to me, said Lord Roos. Meantime, I am wearied of this scene and must put an end to it. Diego, and beckoning his servant to him, he whispered some directions in his ear. My lord shall be obeyed, said Diego, as he received his commission. Gillian shall be conveyed with all care to her chamber. We must have some proof that she has been here, thought Lady Lake. But how to obtain it? I have it. Take these, she added in a whisper to her daughter, and giving a pair of scissors, and contrive, if possible, to sever a lock of her hair before she be removed. By a look, Lady Roos promised compliance. While this was passing, Diego had approached the couch, and fastening the kerchief securely round the countess's face, he raised her in his arms and moved towards the secret staircase, the tapestried covering of which was held aside by Lord Roos to give him passage. Rapidly as the Spaniard moved, he did not outstrip Lady Roos, whose design being favored by the escape from its confinement of one of the Countess's long dark tresses, she had no difficulty of possessing herself of it in the manner prescribed by her mother. Lady Exeter was aware of the loss she had sustained, and uttered a stifled cry, but this was attributed to the fright natural to the occasion by Lord Roos, who had not noticed what had taken place, and only caused him to hurry Diego's departure. But before the latter had wholly disappeared with his burden, the perfumed and silken tress of hair was delivered to Lady Lake, who muttered triumphantly as she received it, This will convict her. She cannot escape us now. The prize was scarcely concealed when Lord Roos, sheathing the sword which he had hitherto held drawn, advanced towards his mother-in-law. Now that the object of your disquietude is removed, madam, it will not be necessary to prolong this interview, he said. Have we then your lordship's permission to depart? rejoined Lady Lake coldly. We are not, I presume, to avail ourselves of the private means of exit contrived for your amorous adventures, lest we should make other discoveries. Your ladyship will leave by the way you entered, rejoined Lord Roos. I will attend you to the door and unfasten it for you. Before we go, I would have a word with my husband. It may be my last, said Lady Roos to her mother. I pray you withdraw a little, that we may be alone. 
Better not, rejoined Lady Lake, but unable to resist her daughter's imploring looks, she added, Well, as you will, but it is useless. With this she proceeded to the little passage and remained there. As Lady Roos turned to her husband, she saw from the stern and inflexible look he had assumed that any appeal made to him would be unavailing, and she attempted none. A moment elapsed before she could utter a word, and then it was only a murmur to heaven for guidance and support. "'What say you, Elizabeth?' demanded Lord Roos, thinking she had addressed him. "'I ask for support from on high, William, and it has been accorded to me,' she replied in a low, sweet voice. "'I can now speak to you. It is not to weary you with supplications or reproaches that I thus detain you. I have something to impart to you, and I am sure you will eagerly listen to it. Come nearer that we may not be overheard.' Lord Roos, whose curiosity was aroused by her manner, obeyed her. "'I am all attention,' he said. "'I feel I am in your way, William,' she rejoined in a deep whisper, "'and that you desire my death. "'Nay, interrupt me not. "'I am sure you desire it, "'and I am equally sure that the desire will be gratified "'and that you will kill me.' "'Kill you, Bess!' cried Lord Roos, startled. "'How can you imagine aught so frightful?' "'There is a power granted to those who love deeply as I do, "'of seeing into the hearts of those they love "'and reading their secrets.' I have read yours, William. Nay, be not alarmed. I have kept it to myself hitherto, and will keep it to the end. You wish me dead, I say, and you shall have your wish, but not in the way you propose. Having lost your love, I am become indifferent to life, or, rather, life is grown intolerable to me. But though death may be a release, it must not come from your hand. You cannot mean to destroy yourself, Elizabeth? cried Lord Roos, appalled. I mean to trouble you no longer. I mean to make the last and greatest sacrifice I can for you, and to save you from a crime, or if you must share the crime, at least to screen you from punishment. Look, here, she added, producing a small file. Bid me drink of this, and ere tomorrow you are free, and I am at rest. Shall I do it? No, no, rejoined Lord Roos, snatching the file from her. Live, Bess, live. Am I to live for you, William? she cried with inexpressible joy. He made no answer, but averted his head. "'In mercy, give me back the file,' she exclaimed, again plunged into the depths of despair. "'I must refuse your request,' he replied. "'Have you done, Elizabeth?' demanded Lady Lake, coming forth from the passage. "'A moment more, mother,' cried Lady Roos. "'One word, one look,' she added to her husband. But he neither spoke to her nor regarded her. "'I am ready to accompany you now, mother,' said the poor lady faintly. "'Nerve yourself, weak-hearted girl,' said Lady Lake in a low tone. "'Revenge is ours.' "'If I could only strike her without injuring him, I should not heed,' thought Lady Roos. "'But where he suffers, I must also suffer, and yet more acutely.' And scarcely able to support herself, she followed her mother to the door of the antechamber, which was unlocked and thrown open for them by her husband. He did not bid her farewell. As Lady Lake passed forth, she paused for a moment and said, "'Tomorrow, my lord, we will ascertain whether the tress of hair we have obtained from the fair visitant to your chamber matches that of Gillian Greenford, or with the raven locks of the Countess of Exeter.' And satisfied with the effect produced by this menace, she departed with her daughter, before Lord Roos could utter a reply. End of chapter 23